0: Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for allowing me to be with you today. Uh, We live in some interesting times here in Alabama. We are still under the governor's orders to shelter in place, which means we're staying at home a lot together. And that's put a lot of pressure on relationships, not just here, but all over the world. In fact, there was an interesting article that came out in Bloomberg Businessweek a couple of days ago where they were talking about the statistics on divorce that are coming out of China now. And listen to a couple of these things. In the city of Xi'an in central China, they said they had record high numbers of divorce filings early in March after people came out of some lockdown situations. In the Hunan province, one of their offices there where they handle wedding licenses and divorces, they said staff members didn't even have time to drink water because so many couples lined up to file divorce, file for divorce in mid-March. One of the officials there said the whole thing seems to be that trivial matters have led to an escalation of conflicts and poor communication has caused everyone to become so disappointed in marriage they've decided to get divorced. Well, we don't want that. God doesn't want that. And fortunately, we have great teaching from God's word how to prevent relationships from destructing during times of pressure. In fact, there is great counsel in God's Word that we're going to read from uh, Colossians 3, a letter that Paul wrote to some Christians in the first century, where he gave them instructions how to thrive, not just survive, in difficult times. I want to share those instructions with you today. You're going to be greatly encouraged. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be together today. I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way and remind us of what Paul taught years ago, because it's as relevant as anything we're going to read on any website today. Lord, we want to thrive, not just survive in our relationships. We want our relationships to grow stronger right now. So please, Lord, teach us what you want us to know. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, three pieces of advice that Paul gave in his letter to the Colossians were these. In order to make the most of relationships, we need to think about what relationships are like in heaven. Now, I'll explain that in a minute, but just listen to these verses. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Here's the logic behind what Paul is saying. He's saying through a relationship with Christ, we become born again. And we also have hope of eternal life in heaven. Heaven is our home. That's where we are now citizens of God's kingdom, and we understand that. If that's the case, then we need to be living our lives on earth the way people in heaven live right now, because that's what God wants us to do. Remember what Christ taught his disciples when he taught them to pray. He said, pray this way, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. That's what we're supposed to pray every day. Well, I can make that even more personal. I can say, may your will be done in my house as it is in heaven. I mean, people in heaven aren't yelling and screaming at each other. People in heaven aren't stonewalling each other and giving each other the silent treatment. People in heaven are having close, abiding, loving personal relationships. And that's what God wants for you and me. Another reason it's important for us to think about heaven is that we're God's children adopted into his family. That's why the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father. So talk to God as your Father because he's adopted you into his family. In Ephesians 1, the apostle Paul said, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God loves you. He's chosen you and adopted you into his family. And now he wants you to grow up and become like him. That's what he wants for you and me. And so even when we get intense situations where, oh my goodness, there's no space because we're working from home and kids are going to school from home and we're eating all our meals together and it's just cramped and crowded and tempers are short and passions can get high sometimes. Well, when that's happening, God is giving us a wonderful opportunity for us to grow and to put into practice what we dearly believe that we are citizens of heaven and that God is using even these situations, these circumstances to grow us up. And a third reason it's important to remind ourselves and think about heaven often is that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. He's not just taking us to heaven and saying, well, good luck. When you and I come to Christ, not only are our sins forgiven, but he gives us his Holy Spirit, and he changes us from the inside out. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, and new has come. And that's why we think about the things of heaven. God is not just uh, letting us live, and then one day we go to heaven when we die. He's preparing us for heaven right now. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do you know that God is working in us right now, giving us the desire and the power to work on our relationships, to overcome difficulties, to settle disputes, to reconcile and practice putting others first right now. And so we want to keep our mind focused on him. Now, to help us do this, it's awfully important that we worship regularly and study the Bible together because that keeps our mind focused on him. It's not just something we need to think about once in a while. It's something we need to think about all the time. I'm a citizen of heaven living here on earth. Lots of distractions, lots of problems. I don't want to lose focus on what's truly important. A little more from Colossians 3. Paul says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. I mean, fill your lives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. I mean, that's what we're doing here this morning with this worship service that we've put together. But there are all kinds of ways we can do this all week long. And one of the best ways is to have family devotions. Jason and Amanda McHenry are two of our staff people that serve at our Watumpka site. And they have six kids ranging in ages from 5 to 19. They're all together in their home. Uh, Lots going on, schoolwork, working from the house, lots of pressure. But they still make time to have family devotions every evening. And I want you to hear why. Hello, we're Jason and Amanda McHenry. Uh, we've been married for 19 years this year. We do family worship in our home, but it's not something that's uh, structured where I, I sit down and, and it has to look like A, B, and C, like, okay, we're gonna sing a song, we're gonna um, read a verse, and we're gonna pray this prayer. Uh, in fact, if our kids, if we ask them to pray, several times I will say, hey, buddy, you wanna pray? Nope, we don't make them. And the reason is is because we're, we're wanting to speak Uh, We're not wanting to produce something, we want to speak to their heart. We have dealt with spiritual warfare. We have dealt with sin. On the flip side of that, we have used this opportunity to know our kids better. We do laugh a lot around here, but we also know that there is seriousness of like that our kids' souls are at stake, but we're just trying to be intentional in that process and knowing that we can water those seeds and uh, we can plant them, but we're just really uh, counting on God to cause the growth. I love that. I mean, they are singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in their house. It doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, if you talk to Jason and Amanda, they can say sometimes things get really kind of wild and crazy. That's the way it was at our house when our boys were small. Uh, Debbie and I, sometimes we thought about our family devotions. We described more as family commotions than anything else. But our kids still talk about those times together because we kept their mind focused on Jesus and focused on heaven and the things that are of eternal significance. So if you and I are going to make the most of our relationships and thrive, not just survive, well, we're sheltering in place now, then we need to think about heaven. But Paul goes on to say in Colossians 3, we also need to take off the elements of our nature, our old nature that was committed to sin. And we need to strip that off completely. Here's what he said. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior, to get rid of slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. You've stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. The great news about coming to Christ is all our sins are forgiven. And now that His Holy Spirit lives in me and is empowering me, I don't have to give in to those old desires anymore. And so Paul says the way you need to think about your old sinful nature you need to think about it like an ugly coat. Now, this is an ugly coat. I got this a couple of years ago for a Christmas party, for an ugly sweater Christmas party. I didn't have an ugly sweater, but I found this on sale, and it's an ugly blazer. Not only is it ugly, it's too small. It doesn't fit. And so if you saw me walking down the street wearing this, you would laugh first, but then if you were a friend, you would go, John, you need to take that off and burn it. In fact, that's what my wife has instructed me to do. She says, get rid of that thing. It looks foolish. You don't need this anymore. Well, Paul is saying the same sort of thing here. Listen to it again. Put to death the earthly things lurking within you. You used to do these things when your life was part of this world, but now's the time to get rid of all this stuff. Rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language, lying. Strip it off. Get rid of it. Throw it away. And so if you and I are going to thrive, not just survive, During these days? Well, there's some things we need to get rid of. All the things that are listed there. I mean, why would I want to have anger and rage in my house? Why would I want to have lying or gossip or slander? I don't, and neither do you. So let's get rid of it. Let's throw it away. Two ways we can do that. First of all, we can repent of our sinful habits and attitudes and behaviors whenever God makes us aware of them. He may have made you aware of several things over the last few weeks. Maybe your temper is shorter than you thought. Maybe your tongue is sharper than you thought. Lots of sarcasm. That's popular these days. Maybe we're not kind, or maybe we bring up the past a whole lot, and all of a sudden we've been made aware of this. We thought we were past this, or maybe we didn't think it was a big problem. But it's turned out there's some big problems in our family or there's big problems in my relationship with me and my spouse or me and a neighbor even. And now I'm aware of it and I'm aware of what needs to change in my life. I'm aware there's some things I need to change. In Romans 6, Paul says, well, then what should we do? Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Let's get rid of it. That's what it means to repent. To say, God, I want to turn away from this. I don't want it anymore. And so today, if God has brought to your mind some sinful habits, wrong behaviors, wrong thinking, let's, I mean, confess it to him now and say, God, I want to be rid of this. I give it to you. I don't want to rock around with this in my life anymore. It's ugly. And I want it gone. God loves it when we pray to him those kind of prayers. A second thing we can do is we can get wisdom and counsel from mature believers on how to move forward once we do that. I mean, there are many times in my life that I have made a decision, but I wasn't sure. I mean, I wanted to turn away from something, but I wasn't sure what to do next or how to proceed or how to build new habits that could replace the sinful habits. Well, that's where other believers come in. Colossians 3.16 teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. There are other believers who've been where we've been and they can help us. I remember when we first got married, Debbie and I had a series of disagreements and we weren't good at resolving conflict by any means. And I went to talk to another believer who'd been married a number of years. And I said, you know, Debbie and I are kind of in a standoff here and I don't know what to do and I'm not sure how to handle this. And he listened to me for a while and he said, well, now, John, uh, I mean, as a Christian now, do you understand that as a man, you're the spiritual leader in your home? It's like, yeah, I understand that. And he said, well, leaders go first. If there need to be apologies made, make yours first. Well, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. But that's what I needed to hear. Because when he told me that, my goodness, that one little piece of counsel transformed our relationship. And it served me well even with my kids because over and over again it applied there too. I'm the parent. And if there is a a standoff and there's something wrong in a relationship with one of my children, I don't need to run away from that problem. I need to run toward it and be a leader. Oh man, it helped just to get a little bit of counsel. So maybe today you've been made aware of some things over the last few weeks, some things that need to change in your life. If so, and you want to talk to someone just go to centeringlives.com, that's our website, and contact us. Everybody on our staff will be glad to help you in any way we possibly can. Now, thirdly, you and I need to put on our new nature if we're going to make the most of our relationships. Keep our eyes on heaven, because that's what we want our relationships to be like. Get rid of the old stuff that we don't want but we also need to put on the new. Paul put it this way. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness and gentleness and patience. You need to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you're called to live together in peace. And be thankful. Now, I have another blazer here. It's not one that I picked up on sale for a party. It's a blazer that Debbie and I went and picked out together. Um, I had a I had some old blue blazers that she got tired of seeing me wear. She said, it's time for you to get another one. And so we had this one fit, and it fits perfectly. And I love to wear it. But I didn't just throw away the old thing that I don't want to wear. I could replace it with something new. Well, that's what God wants you and me to do in our relationships, even if in the past we've been filled with rage and slander, even if in the past we've lied to each other and put each other down, now that we're new creations in Christ, we don't need to live that way anymore. We can now live like people in heaven do. I want to give you five simple ways that you and I can put on our new nature, things we can do right now, whether we have a week or a month or however long we have left before uh, we get back to things sort of the way they used to be. The first of those is this, you and I can set appropriate times and places to resolve conflict. I mean, if I'm going to show love and respect for others, the first thing I need to do is when I have a problem with them, I need to make sure that I deal with that problem at the appropriate time and place. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 18. If another believer sins against you, go privately, privately, and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. Now look, when we're all on top of each other and there's really not a lot of personal space anytime during the week, this becomes all the more important. If I have an issue with my wife, then I need to talk about that with her privately, not in front of the kids. It's none of their business. If I have an issue with one of the kids, I need to talk about that issue with that child privately so the siblings don't hear. And I certainly need to handle conflicts in our family, in a private place, so the neighbors don't hear it if they're on the other side of the fence. It's a way we can show genuine love and respect, and it's a way our relationships can thrive, not just survive, because as we work through our problems together with the proper understanding, and with the proper boundaries, we can make real progress. Secondly, you and I can believe the best about each other. If I'm going to put on my new nature, that means as Paul said, that I put on love. Well, listen to what Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love doesn't give up. It doesn't lose faith. Love is believing the best about somebody else. I want to believe the best about my family for sure, and I want them to believe the best about me. Look, we live in a culture where people put each other down and cut each other down constantly on social media. Oh my goodness, that's that's a horrible thing, and it's terribly painful. And I always uh, remind myself of this, and I remind others of this as often as I can, that whatever we applaud, we get more of. And if we applaud put-downs and people saying harsh things about each other, we're going to get more of that. Well, I don't want that in my family. I want us to applaud good things. I want us to look for the things that we're doing rightly. I mean, that's why even setting a time and a place to talk, we mentioned that before, it's important to never air our grievances on social media, but to only build each other up and put things online that we want to share with others because we're proud of them. Oh, if we could just practice that, we can thrive more than just survive. Thirdly, you and I can apologize when we're wrong and forgive others when they wrong us. I read this verse a little bit ago. I want to read it again. Colossians 3.13, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Over the last four or five weeks, we have had a lot of opportunities to offend each other. Not enough space, not enough time, all kinds of uh, intrusions. Lots of offenses can happen, and it's important we learn to forgive each other. Just let it go. But if we're going to do that, there are a couple of important statements that we need to put into practice. In fact, every time I'm, going to, I'm asked to officiate at a wedding ceremony in the premarital counseling, I make sure we go over this. Because I know I'm going to offend uh, people in my life, in my family, I need to be ready to offer an apology, a sincere apology like this I'm sorry. I was wrong, please forgive me. Now, that's a real apology. And if we say it that way, no qualifications, no excuses. Again, that shows that I'm taking responsibility for my actions and I respect the person that I'm talking to. Now, if you're confused about what an insincere apology looks like, it looks something like this. I'm sorry you're so upset. Okay, that's not an apology. That's another fight. That's all that is. But if I'm going to apologize and I honestly say, I'm sorry I was wrong, please forgive me. Well, when I apologize to another family member or to my spouse, well, then the right response back is this, I forgive you, let's move on. When we get to that place where we can forgive each other and accept apologies when they're offered, we can make real progress. and Our relationships can grow stronger in spite of whatever caused the pain. Fourthly, you and I can love each other and with, while disagreeing over what the other person's doing. I can love people while disagreeing with what they say or do. So can you. I mean, you can love me and hate this jacket. At least I hope so. Well, why wouldn't that apply to any other behavior? I love you, but I hate it when we're running late. I love you, but I can't stand it when you don't clean up after yourself. These are things we can honestly share with others. In fact, a couple of statements that I go over uh, with people the same way that we go over the forgiveness statement are these. I actually have people practice this and say this out loud. I love you, but I can't stand this, whatever the issue was. Can we set up a time and place to talk about it? That takes us back uh, to the first point we shared. And the response to that would be, well, I love you too. When would you like to talk? I mean, think of the progress we can make. In Romans 5.8, Paul reminds us that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ prayed for the people who were nailing him to the cross while he was dying on the cross, asking his heavenly father to forgive them. And God wants us to be able to love and forgive each other, not holding people's sins against them. He doesn't hold us against us. So I need to be able to separate the people I love from the things I don't. And that will go a long way in strengthening relationships. Now, one final way that you and I can put on our new nature is this. We can get creative in expressing our affection for members in our family. Love takes work. Relationships take work. It does. But here's what's encouraging. Romans 12.10, the Apostle Paul says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight. You know, when I genuinely love someone, it's delightful to plan a special gift for their birthday or my wife for our anniversary. To have something that I have picked out and thought about. A lot of people describe love this way in a relationship P-L-A-N is how you should spell it. If you will plan an event or plan a gift and give it some forethought, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You just have to make sure that you're doing the right thing, and people will understand that. They'll understand how much you value them because you've put the time and energy into it. Uh, Last week, uh, McCall Burkett posted on Facebook uh, a wonderful little a picture and a story of what her husband, Todd, had planned for her when he wanted to give her a special evening, even though they were stuck at home with their kids. I'd like you to hear what they have to say. Hello, everybody. My name is Todd Burkett, and this is my wife, McCall. I think it's very important that we be intentional in our marriages just like we're intentional in our relationships with God. One example that I came up with to be intentional for our marriage and to keep our marriage healthy and to keep it going strong uh, was this romantic date I had for her so that we could connect on an emotional level, intimate level, and where we just sit and talk. He cooked dinner and um, had a table set up on the back porch with Christmas lights over it um, the girls were our waitresses and they brought us out our drinks. They made our plates and brought them to us. We had, um, random questions that we had to answer, um, for each other. Honestly, uh, uh I Googled the questions. I know, which is not very creative, <laughs> but, uh, there was some pretty silly questions on there. Uh, and we laughed pretty hard and we enjoyed it and we had a great time. Then we danced under the Christmas lights and, um, We laid on the trampoline and looked up at stars. And it was a really just simple date. Didn't take a lot of work. It didn't take a lot of money, but it meant the world to me. And um, I'll never forget it. I hope you heard what McCall said. Didn't take a lot of work. Didn't take a lot of money. But I'll never forget it. What if you and I delighted in the people that God has given us in our family? And what if we planned something special this week? What if we look for ways to honor each other? What if we put on our new nature and scheduled time to work through problems if there are any in private? And what if we encourage each other with every chance we have? What if we get rid of the things we don't want in our lives anymore, that we don't want in our household, because we want to live on earth like people are living in heaven? Won't be long till we're there, and we want to have all those virtues present in our house today. Well, that's what I want for my house, and I think that's what you want for your house too. So I'd like to pray and ask God to bless us with wisdom, to maybe bring some advisors into our lives, and to help us put on and embrace the new nature and the power to live the new life that he's given us through the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Paul's teaching in his letter to the Colossians. Oh, God, I pray that you will uh, bring that teaching home to me. I pray, Lord, that um, you will remind me, Lord, of the truth of your word, that I need to forgive and I need to love and I need to put other people first. God, forgive me for the times when I've been short-tempered and sarcastic and unwilling to apologize. Lord, give me the desire to go first. If there's a reconciliation that needs to be made, give me the desire to go first and give me good counsel on how to do that. Would you bring wise advisors in my life? God, I want to live on earth the way people are living in heaven today. I want to serve you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for a new life. I thank you for a fresh start. I thank you for the hope of heaven I thank you for the family members you've given me, and I even thank you for the circumstances I'm in because as they bring out things that need to change, now I know how to deal with them. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who gives me the desire and the power to do what pleases you, what you taught us today. God, make me the person you want me to be. I surrender to you and I'm excited about what you have in store for me. Lord, I want to thrive, not just survive, during this time we're staying home together. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, maybe today, uh, as I was talking or leading in a word of prayer, you realize I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I'd like to know more about that. If you go to our homepage, you'll find a button there that says, follow Jesus. If you click that button and give us some information, we'll be glad to talk to you about how to have a personal relationship with Jesus himself.